Welcome to the Clash Act Podcast. But first, we're going to take a word from our sponsors, Morrissey Motors. Hello, Martin here from Morrissey Motors, Peugeot Kilkenny. We have the full range of environmentally friendly award-winning vehicles in petrol, diesel, hybrid and electric. Our 208, 3008 and 508 have all won Car of the Year. Our 5008 seven-seater has won SUV of the Year. And not forgetting Ireland's best-selling commercial, the award-winning Partner Van. That's five in a row, Martin. It is, Brian. That's impressive. Contact the lads in Morrissey Motors, Waterford Road, Kilkenny, today. And you're very welcome to this week's edition of the Clash Act podcast with myself, Eddie Scally. Something we haven't done yet this year is bring back a guest, but John Mulhall, you caused such a stir the last time we had you on the show, we said we had to get you back. How's things? Great, now, back again for another blast of this. You're a fully vaccinated man, I know by your superpower look there that you're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, well, I... I do a few couple of days out in Camp Hill, Kyle out in Callan every uh, summer. So thanks, thanks to them for getting me there. Anyway. So I'm happy out now. You can, you feel that bit more invincible. No, fingers crossed anyway, it kind of all works out for us. I know myself and yourself got the second dose on the same day and I think the two of us got equally sore side effects the next morning, but nothing else then really ready to rock and roll again a day later. No, the, the Moderna has, hasn't had much news news talk or anything about it so we were, we were lucky enough just before we get into the chewing the fat on, on, on some of the issues I want to bring up with you today I I remember years ago Liam Griffin done a done a really good interview and he was asked could he give a scenario where the people of Wexford would shout for Kilkenny and Liam Griffin's response was probably if they played England and obviously we're in the midst of the European Championships now I know you're a soccer fan football's coming home is banging out on radio stations around the country I'm nearly tuned the steering wheel in fear that England may win the Euros where does John Mulhall stand in this are you a closet England fan cheering him on no I'd be 100% behind Italy now <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get in somewhere now around 4 o'clock and we'll have might get the Italy jersey on and you know shout against them for the day and do you support a team in England uh, up to about 12 I supported Man United but then I was like I developed my own intellect then and started to just follow, you know, I was Kenny City kind of growing up and then they left, so since then I've been just kind of the national team since. And you see, like with me, I'm a Leeds fan, so and I'm a massive Leeds fan, travel over as much as I can, Calvin Phillips, the Yorkshire Pirlo as we like to call him. Yeah. I, I find myself sometimes I'm watching England I want them to lose I want them to get beaten but I want Calvin to play really well and then if I see him upset it kind of it kind of hurts because he's I don't know it's, he's just such a great player for our club but I just cannot show for England I, I, I love soccer like playing it and actually the coaching of it and like if you do all your like um, youth search with the FAI like you pick up some drills for like hurling and they can be applied straight like the advancement of coaching in in soccer and the drills and all and if you look at the drills on Facebook and different things every single one of them can be applied across to the GA it just changes the ball and you're using a hurl but like I find it great for that and obviously I love Leeds at the moment because Bielsa and his whole story like about having like his whole house is just DVDs of matches and he'd go into a room and just like when he got the Leeds job he had a dossier and he had every match that the other 23 teams had played in the championship that year their fixtures their formations and he was when they went into the interview with the Leeds chairman he was able to pull out uh, Knott's Forest versus uh, Leeds or Walsall the 24th of December and picked out the formation what had went on that game what changes the manager made tactically and like your man is a freak in nature like to be Elsa and you'd see like Pep would say like he's his inspiration and favourite manager and every good manager in today's game goes to see Bielsa and what he does and and also with Calvin Phillips they're crediting him Bielsa like Calvin Phillips like only for Bielsa I wouldn't be playing for England like no it's it like it is it's a hundred percent I was watching Leeds preseason this week because I am a Leeds nut now and like you I, I actually watch teams warm up and I try and bring it back to hurling I, I watch teams the way they set up for drills but I was watching the Leeds um training camp the team's training camp and I was watching what the players were being put through 
and Luke Ayling, the Leeds fullback, was being interviewed, and he said, "Your man, your man, interviewing him said, you know, what's this like, Luke?" And Luke Ayling started laughing, and he said, "You know, it's he said what we do is mad anyway, but this is madder than what we've normally done. Like they were being put in oxygen tanks to." assess how much breeding to do in a minute and stuff and he's like he said that Marcelo is so scientific in how he's going to create the the magic players that now he's up the game a little bit because this season we, we achieve what he hoped to achieve but next season he hopes to achieve more and in turn he's doing yeah, it and it's you, just it's amazing at, if you look at Leeds and their players like you've Luke Ayling and Stuart Dallas but like Stuart Dallas I think got like eight goals between all competitions last year from wing back he's like from Northern Ireland three four years ago wouldn't have been even no one even knew who he was Luke Ayling the same a lot of those Leeds players when he came he just developed them so quickly over the last two three years by coaching and like that's why they got him obviously <laughs> their system of getting new managers in by a couple of players was failing so they got him they had to pay him like six million a year for the championship, which was crazy money. And but like it was worth it. He developed the players. The first year was a derby cut. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um in the playoffs though after that, wasn't it? Yeah. And like they got caught, but like that can happen any team. But then the year after he came back, stayed with him, got him up, and then last year, sure, they were a joy to watch in every match now. Yeah, it is it's it like it's fascinating to see how it works with Leeds and, and, and what he does but I mean Jesus I could I could do a, a, a two day podcast on just Bielsa and some of the stories I've heard about him he's, he's, he's absolutely insane but it's a GEA podcast and one of the things that I do want to say to you before we, we get into the current affairs on it is you highlighted an issue um, with us the last time we were here and it was about players insurance and whatnot. and and that that issue when you highlighted it whether you know it or not you broke national media on it because it was something that that clubs weren't the clubs were aware of, but the, the grassroots players didn't seem to be actually be aware of the the significance of what was going on. And um, you did you pointed it out on the podcast here. You told us, look, we're in big trouble here with this. We need to get it solved. And thankfully, from what I can see with my own club, it it seems that some form of um, system has been put in place. And are you satisfied that we're we're a bit safer with player insurance at the moment, or or not? Yeah, I. I I don't know the exact what happened I just read that it got sorted and that I think clubs have to pay a little bit extra on top of what they were paying but it's not significant I think it's is it 25 euro or something each per player or something yeah, like that yeah so it doesn't work out like maybe a thousand or two per club but like for the element of everyone having that safety and that kind of background to just be able to go out and play of a Tuesday night and break a finger and get the relevant looking after and physio and all that kind of stuff it's worth it like so no 100% it, it, it's vital just on the current situation where we are at the moment in Hurling where Hurling Championships are at the moment and I, I, I'm going to we're going to jump in and out of certain things here because I'm just going to throw them at you as I, as I see them last weekend we had um Couple of couple of really good games over the weekend. You know there was you know the Dublin win over Galway was a big shock. The Wexford Kilkenny game was a cracker of a match, but the Clare Tip game is the one I want to start with you on. Okay, and you know I'm not going to be a person that sits in a stand and and, and most certainly I'll be there shouting, giving out about referees and the whole lot. And I I know James Owens. He's a nice guy. I played soccer with him. You know he's a fella I'd have a lot of time for. But the the decision that James made in the Tip Clare game. Um, now I'm I'm not going to say my own opinion on it because no one cares but what I will say is the decision was made on the field and what's happened since that decision was made is that it's universally been condemned as a horrific decision and a match changing decision there was a goal scored from that penalty and a player simbined and in that time while that player was simbined I think there was 1-6 or 1-4 scored in that time by tip without any score pardon me from Clare Clare lose that game by three points and later in the game Clare feel that they've been absolutely done out of a penalty as well. So looking at it from a Clare perspective you lose a game by three points and it comes back down to two refereeing decisions one glaringly more documented than the other. Talk to me about the first decision regarding the penalty and the sim bin, John. Uh, John. Well, they lost by four. Yeah, so sorry. They, so, But 
Right, so the current ruling is a trial, right? So I looked it up this morning. So denying an opponent a goal-scoring opportunity by a cynical act of depriving an opponent of a goal-scoring opportunity within the 20-metre line or its arc. A penalty is awarded against the offending player as well as a yellow card and 10 minutes in the sin bin. Right. Okay. So, first of all, why is it a yellow card? Like, it's a black card in every other sport. So, like... If it's for that actual act, it should be a different. But if you get a black card in the game and then you follow with a yellow card, is that a red card? I think it is. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. okay, that's fair enough. That's a fair point. I, I assumed it was the yellow that's card. Yes, yeah. right. So, I knew I was coming on yesterday, so I said I'd do a bit of research into this, right? So, obviously, if you think of a hurling field, right, and you have the sidelines out to that, so any pitch on GA rulings is 80 to 90 meter meters so we'll take it's the full 90 right yeah and then it comes out 20 meters right so i did a bit of maths on this then <laughs> i have a sheet here for it. right so 90 by 20 is 1800 meters squared right now think of the pitch right so this has this comes up in every match last night we were playing thomastown burn cup our goalie pulled down the guy who was coming through he it's not in but he got a yellow card we had five on the line they took their point right so obviously it's a major issue it wouldn't have been tried to have been solved by this crazy rule first right so within 1800 metres squared 21 to 0 to 20 metres and from sideline to sideline if you do a foul and the referee's head thinks it's a goal scoring opportunity you get a yellow card and a sin Right, 1800 metres. Now, on top of that, there's also the hemisphere or the semi or the semicircle, right? Which is half of a circle. Now, that area is 265 metres squared, right? So you have that added onto that, so it's over 2000 metres squared of an area that you can get a penalty. Now, think of your pitch, right? Now, this will this is a solvable how we could solve it right it needs two more lines on the field so if you think of your your arc right it comes out from the 21 13 meters on either side from the middle of the field and 13 meters out out away from the 21 or the 20 meters so you're gone out 33 meters from the goal right yeah so you're thinking that area that's 1800 and 265 that's 2065 metres squared of area that you can give away a penalty if the ref sees fit okay which is crazy now that doesn't James Owens obviously we looked over everyone's looked back out on the Sunday game there was three or three temporary lads kind of behind the action and there was three lads in the square that would have came to him so the lads would have been running after him coming out yeah so it wasn't a goal scoring opportunity so he should have just given free obviously so it was a crazy decision but the ruling is that within 2065 metres squared you can give that rule so just say hypothetically a ref <laughs> this wouldn't happen but like wanted another team to win in any grade if this got brought in it'd be crazy just say like you wanted to throw a game just say give a penalty out on the sideline no job done blacks and whites versus Sam Martins <laughs> you know we get done right now my solving of this is very simple right so you have the small square where you give away your old penalty right now that's a little area so that's 13 metres out and basically it's 13 and 13 is 26 meters across right so that the area of that what did i say the yeah tiny right obviously you have a real small area there that's your penalty section but if we amended it right so that the do you know the semicircle or the arc yeah if you had two lines went straight in to the end lines off the end lines right now where are we going on that that amendment right 
has done 26 by 20 is 520 meters squared, right? You have the two 13s and the 20 meters out, okay? Yeah. Right, so that's 520 plus your arc of 265. You're now down to 785 meters squared, right? So 785 minus 1800 is 1095 meters of a difference, of meters squared of a difference. So now your area where you can definitely get a goal is 785. Okay? Yeah. Now, that's all a very complicated, matzy way of saying that the red zone has now decreased by 1,000 metres. You're now in an area, if someone pulls you down, that if you get pulled down that area, you have a fair chance of scoring a goal. If you're inside that little between the arc and the penalty area. Yeah, no, like, so, if you take it, so you're, you're you're making it similar to, say, the box in a soccer match. Box in a soccer match or, do you know, the the basketball area around yeah. the rim? It's yes. It's much smaller now. And this, the penalty, the reason this is brought in is the pulling down. And it's happening in every single club game across Ireland in Hurling every day. Every, twice a game, three times a game that gets through pull them down you give away a free or a penalty and there's no altercation now in the Kilkenny match or the Wexford match obviously Owen Murphy did the same thing on Paulo Flood right in extra time and the funny thing about it is Wexford didn't take advantage of that extra man Owen Murphy guy coming through fouled him Kilkenny, Darren Brennan comes on. Kilkenny had to take off a player, which I think that element of the rule is a brilliant the sin bin. The team should be affected, but Wexford were so tired from their game, running game, that they weren't able to take advantage. And once Kilkenny got through that period of 10 minutes, once Owen Murphy came back on, Kilkenny scored seven points or whatever they scored and won the game. So... I think the ruling is perfect if it would the the red zone was brought in to the uh, arc and then the difference in meter squared then obviously makes it all. But then there's there's just one other change that I I am going to put to you that I think yeah. we we should be considered on. We nearly have it all solved now. Nearly. Uh, the one thing I don't like is it's 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 down to the referee's interpretation at the moment, right? Mm. So if you take James would have interpreted and there's 100% there was no bias being shown here it was suggested by some of the clear camp afterwards that there was bias being shown against them I don't believe that for a second I think it was just unfortunate no. the decision he, you know he got it wrong and he's, he's, he's a great referee but they all make mistakes but in his opinion and I've seen videos of it since uh, hundreds of times if you look at one of the views you have to look at from where his eyes are so he sees the, the, the Tipperary player with the ball the man has gone down to make the tackle. So if the Tipperary player skips him, he now has what looks like a pretty clear path at that very second of 35 metres straight to the goal. Now you know and I know because we've played the game, it's not like every defender on the field is going to say, oh, we'll leave him off there now. Sure, he's going to fly in there and score a goal. They're all going to be breaking their asses to get back in to close out that space, which they would have done. And I think the decision, what you're saying about bringing the lines in to, to, to square it off a little bit and, 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 and make this area smaller, that's the first part of it but the second part of it is I don't think it should be down to the referee's interpretation of whether it's a goal scoring opportunity I think if the foul is committed in that zone I, it's a penalty I think if that zone was brought in that element that it's a penalty although if you get fouled on the edge of that arc you're 33 metres from goal and if there was three lads between you and the goal yeah, it's, it's, it's still... If you get fouled in the box and there's 10 lads between you in a soccer match, it's a penalty. So we have to pick... You, you, it's just... It's it's unfair, in my opinion, on referees to actually make any decision based on... You, you know, and when I say about interpretation, if the two of us jump for a ball to catch together and the referee judges me to have pushed you, that's... He sees it that way and he sees that I've pushed you, I've committed the foul and it's a free. But you have to clarify it that... And I know you can be a metre inside it or a metre outside it and you're unlucky, but I think the rules have to be more black and white. There can't be grey, like. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's a complicated one now, and like obviously the rule that Brian is crazy, so that has that it's a trial and it'll be gone, right? But we need to find solutions to this. So obviously I've put one kind of solution, but then the element of the referee's opinion, like is referee's opinion, like we have the advantage rule right so the advantage rule has changed this year again so it used to be the referee's discretion you give five seconds whereas now you have to if the referee thinks there's no advantage he can give a free or if it's goal scoring opportunity so it's after kind of taking away that like it was happening it was working perfectly I thought like you catch a ball kind of a lad hangs out or fouls you and you go five seconds and you put it over the bar, play on, great. But now referees seem to be just given the free straight away, and it's kind of hindering play. But in that scenario, if you if you give the five seconds, and we spoke about this mm. off air, but you break by me, you go that five yards, and then you strike it wide. Is the rule then that you should come back for the free? Like in rugby, the way it works is the referee I, I find advantage in rugby sometimes do you ever watch a rugby match and they're in advantage and you're like Jesus Christ is this advantage ever going to end like yeah. you know it's yeah, well that's that's where we don't want to get to with that ruling obviously but like you don't want to be going a minute down but hurling is so quick like but if you go no other, yards and strike it white should we bring it back and give you the free I don't think so I think I think unless it was an unmerciful build that you were busy hitting it yeah or something like that you know like <coughs> it's coming back to like the thing about all of this is that hurling is just the most unique game in the world like does they're trying like the penalty rule change I think is like it took away a lot of excitement and Anthony Nash running in to, to the 10 yard line and all that kind of stuff that was unbelievable stuff <laughs> but like someone was going to get killed so that was grand did it change it and to be fair there is fair skill now Tony Kelly and TJ Reid hitting those penalties like it's, it's a challenge now like well it was always a challenge it was more of a challenge but now it's kind of him against me and it's worked out perfectly in fairness not that you'd still like the old rule the way it was was great and the way it's become is not as great but it's still still fine it's still, still fine yeah um, whereas the advantage rule I think it's up to the ref and look if you go five seconds on and you're 40 yards out from goal and you can't hit it over the bar it shouldn't be brought back that, that's my idea on it and but see there's so much grey <laughs> areas it's crazy but you take and this is something because I want to skip on to this right so right we've fixed that rule now we'll be sending this podcast straight yeah. to the GEA so that's that sorted I'd like them to take out the interpretation thing I think if you foul in the square it's penalty End of story. That's that. That'd be just me. I think if it's a foul, cynical foul, it's a penalty. You know, don't tell me there was one lad there, there was two lads there. Right. So we'll go back to Aaron Shanahan the weekend, right? Yeah. So he Claire were going mental. Obviously, at this stage, he catches a ball. There's Ronan and Parigmar inside the semicircle, the arc, right? Thirty yards from goal, catches it. Two boys kind of hold him up, and there's. There was definitely two tip lads in behind him. That's a free. Like, people are saying, oh, why didn't he give a penalty? Right. If he had broke through the two buys, it was a goal-scoring opportunity. But he didn't break through the two buys. But he couldn't because they were fouling him. Yeah. So it was a foul. So is it a penalty? No. Because he was fouled. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, did, 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 did Claire, did the, was that not given as a free out? Uh... No, he gave a free. No, Tony Kelly had a, a. He it was kind of twenty three yards out, and he there was five lads on the line. And he just took a point. Perfect. No, no, but it's. I, I see your point on that one there, but again, there was no consultation with umpires in that situation. You know, it, it didn't. To me, I know, like, it's you're not going to get every decision right in the game, and sometimes when you lose a match, and Cody had said this before, when you lose a game, you analyze every decision that went against you, and you don't look at the decisions that you got. If, if, if you know what I mean if you yeah. were to go and analyse every single referee but in, in most games they balance out that's but it but in the tip clear match that decision was so crazy that it affected the game and it's rare that we talk about a refereeing decision that you go that that 
won that team the game which in this case it almost like as it's as close to that situation without it was a mistake but it's as close to that situation as you're ever going to get I still think Tip were a better team but if that goal hadn't to go in I think Clare would have been in a much better position which is why everyone's gone mental and just before I kind of come off all of that one like it goes back if you take the Richie Hogan sending off a few years ago James Owens Tipperary again uh, earlier in the game Richie had been clattered there was no red card whatnot. then Richie goes in red card like that decision there was that the correct decision at the time? <laughs> that about Richie getting sent off? Yeah um, well, sir, I'm Take off the Kilkenny hat now don't be biased just be straight if you were referee in that game it was a club match would you send them off? Ah, oh, Jesus! Sure, that's why that decision was so controversial because it got people talking and like he gave him an elbow in the face. But yeah, to the letter of the law, the yeah. referee has to apply the rules. Well, so yeah, it's a red card. It probably was a red card. Yeah, and see, <laughs> it's 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 like I was one of the people going mad in Crow Park that day and going mad for a week afterwards. But the truth of the matter is, you're looking at it through your own yeah, glasses yeah. and you take him, and they're the fifty-fifty calls. But then, right, if I'm talking about all these rules and blah blah referees are the league was the worst league in the history of Hurling right it was no crowds Hurling needs crowds essentially like once Hurling has even if there's 200 people at the match it's still better because you can hear them and they had roar yeah yeah. right so 8,000 at the match the other day great there'll be 18,000 next day Hurling lives off the crowd you know like Ken McGrath catches the high ball everyone's like Oh, you know that's that's what hurling is. It's like every game needs fans or whatever. But hurling quintessentially just the game lives for fans or it shout. gets the adrenaline going in the players. Yeah. So the hits come and, and then they showed it on the Sunday game the other day, like a minute or two of uninterrupted hooking and blocking, and it was like, oh, we're back, you know. Fergal Organ um, let the game flow, like. The game was flying around. Wexford hitting big hits. That's what you want. That's hurling. And like, the league, I I think we said this last day, there's a assessor's panel for the league and they're there, the refs get onto the championship panel from the league and they're like, oh, ticking every box. Oh, did he do this? Did he do this? And it just ruins the game. Like, what the... Tony Kelly got one twenty one day, or yeah, like it was just free scoring seventeen points and all this crack. Like that's that's not what you want. Like you want, but the league this year, I just think it was an aberration. I just think no one at the matches, the refs just blowing everything. Like the ball's not gone too heavy. Like people saying, oh, free take and all this too light. Yeah, like or yeah, just <laughs> let the game flow. It's the ref. And within the rules, like you can have a great game of hurling within the rules, if you're not too nitpicky. Yeah, but John, like this is bringing you on to the next, the next question I want to ask you. Um, <laughs> the next question I want to ask you, and you've kind of, you've already opened the door for it. Um, and I know where you're coming from on this, but I, I, I'm watching the league games. I was lucky enough to go to a few of them now, and I, I agree with you, hundred percent. They were, they were glorified free taking matches and whatnot. But what, what's after happening? The amount of ex-players on Twitter vilifying referees, absolutely going mad. Like I've seen some great names, Richie Power, Owen Larkin, like the Kenny lads would be the ones I'd be kind of following more so, but I've seen Richie at it, Owen Larkin at a taggy a couple of times. They've all come in and they've all really cut at the excitement levels being gone in the games, in the league. Now, I will ask you, there's, there's three sides to it. Number one is, more people are watching the National League than ever before because there's nothing to do and I can assure you I've been at National League games in February and March that have been absolutely atrocious three and four years ago when referees over-refereed them they always over-referee games early in the season that's number one and number two is the GEA came with a new book of rules for referees that were going to be implemented for the National League and then tweaked and ready for the championship so the referees are going in there to do these games as they've been told and is it a bit much the players, the ex-players coming from the back of this and absolutely tearing into it before they give these a chance to progress that we just cut them in half? Well, my thoughts on it was like, obviously, refs need games to improve 
players need games to improve. That league that just went by was just like there was no final. It was just like five games. There were basically just five challenge matches. They didn't have a final, you know, that you could get to. So like, first of all, it was too short a period to give lads matches. Second of all, refs were trying out these new rules and getting assessed by we'll call them the mafia or whatever referee mafia exists out there. That the assessors board. Yeah, I don't even know. Who, does it? Can anyone in the country tell you who they are? Well, no one's going to admit to being on it now. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the refs are under pressure to do everything. TJ he's scoring 20 points from play and everyone's like oh the balls are too light like where, where do you in 2022 Covid gone you'll be in Nolan Park watching Kenny Cork 20,000 ad hopefully the refs will be let do their thing it'll be March it'll be cold lad get a slab in the bag everyone will be back to normal and the leagues will go on you could have a bad game or a good game and move on the thing, the story of the championship or league for me was Antrim putting it up to all these teams. I've always been saying there should be eight teams in the league, and give your couple of extra teams those games and try and bring them on. Now it's championship will always revert back to type, fast pitches. Dublin beat them by thirty points, and you've leached an Antrim to go down to Joe McDonough. It's back to the normal way of things. Believe it or not, you're actually you're, you're great, John. Because I, I I love chatting to you. But the next question that I wanted to come to after we moved away from referees is literally on that point with regards to say the Joe McDonough teams. And I'm going to say, like a couple of years back, the whole Carlo Rising thing was being touted about, and it was great. Carlo were kind of coming a bit of age, and they were getting going in both hurling and football. Antrim this year in the National League. You know, I think they drew at Wexford up in Antrim, probably could have won that game. They they gave Dublin a rattle. They gave Kilkenny a bit of a rattle as well in Nolan Park, to be fair to them. Like they weren't I think it was seven or eight points in the end. It wasn't a, a mammoth defeat that they faced into. But then when we go to championship, they're they're beaten um quite heavily by Dublin. They play Leash next week or this weekend. If they lose that game to Leash, they're back down in McDonough Cup next year and they're playing in the the leagues. You know, it, mm. it's like is, is the gap sometimes you think the gap is closing between what I, and I don't mean disrespectfully to these but between the weaker counties and the stronger counties but then you know it's it's the hope that kills you like we're still in a situation I think where that second tier the gap isn't closing in my opinion Is it, do you think the gap is closing and if it's not how do we get this gap to close like what do we do like there was a period in the 80s where Leash were strong and like Antrim were strong and they'd be playing the leagues and they'd be giving it to whatever all the teams challenging right so that's Leash and Antrim in the 80s so 90s it all went Leash and Antrim kind of got weaker and then Leash came with Cheddar 2013 around that time lost to Galway by a pint in about two championships and if they had to beat them it would have been a hundred times bigger than Dublin beating Galway yeah, of course. You know, and then, but see, if you there's 15 hurlers in leash, but just from what I can see, there's clubs, there's more animosity in Kilkenny. Everyone comes into Kilkenny and everyone plays for Kilkenny. Where it seems to be in leash, particularly and Antrim, two two counties, where there are club rivalries. If you look at a club match between Lock Eel and Dunlay, they'd be killing each other. And that all seeps into the county element. Right. And obviously Darren Gleeson has got 30 lads together up there. 30 of them want to hurl for Antrim. And obviously in the league, worst pitches and, say, wetter weather and whatever, they closed the gap. Not closed the gap completely. Obviously Kilkenny played, gave TJ the weekend off and all the teams probably gave them a bit of a more scope to try out whoever but like that's that's the idea of it like have a league where Antrim gain Kikenny the league the last three four years Kikenny had to play their strongest team every day just to stay up 
But if you like, with Antrim being relegated now, are you like, mm. are you suggesting that? Oh, this champ. Cha- yeah, but I'm talking about the leagues. But then championship is its own. Right, you have Leash and Antrim. Sure, who else is going to go down? <laughs> you know, it's going to give whoever wins the Joe McDonough a chance to come up. But if you take Westmead now, Westmead, Westmead will play Kildare at the weekend in the Joe McDonough Cup. And I'm, I, I'd be fancying Westmead to win that game. They've yeah. beaten Carlos, so that puts them into a Joe McDonough Cup final. I'd be fancying Westmead to win the Joe McDonough Cup. Being mm. straight, I'd be very surprised if they don't win it. So they're going to be up next year playing the All Ireland Championship, and then they're going to be on the wrong end of a pounding from. And and I don't mean this disrespect mm. to Westmead, but Galway will end up pounding them, or, or Kilkenny will end up pounding them, or even Dublin will yeah. end up giving them a pounding, or Wexford, like. <sighs> I know the point that you're making about the club things. That's 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 one issue. That's in those two in, counties. Well, that was an issue in Galway for years. Um, mm. Like Galway won an All Ireland in, in in the late eighties, and then didn't win an All Ireland again with some of the best hurlers in the country yeah. until about five four and or five years ago. They've won one All Ireland in the last twelve years, where they've been in the top four favourites. Every time, like the favourites, they were favourites, second favourites in the All Ireland last week, and they got yeah, beaten so by Dublin. But if Brian Cody was over Galway, would they have won? One I learned in the last twelve years. He wouldn't have, but it would have been down to what he'd done. I would imagine if Brian was over, if Brian Cody was over Galway for the same period he's been over Kilkenny with the players he would have had at disposal. I'd say Galway would have ten All Irelands. That's what I'm saying. Well, they, they 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 wouldn't have ten, but they'd probably have four. I'd you, definitely have, have more. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you have to remember, there's players Brian like Cody's a genius. But there's but he like would would Leash have won four All Irelands? No, but but with Galway he has. Yeah, the, the 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 mechanics there. Like I mean, Eugene Clunan. But this, the this is the old age question. I, you're born into a house in Galway. You're born into a house in Leash. You're going to live the same thing, the same life. You're going to be poking around your whole life. It's it's just that there's a bigger population, more clubs into it. In Leash, you're half a county. Same with Antrim. It's just pure population and numbers, and but do you invite these? Like, if you take the Kilkenny League, right? This is just an option. If you take the Kilkenny Club Championships, okay, we've mm. got twelve teams at each grade uh, down along. All our championships are seriously competitive. I know Ballyhale are probably a little bit ahead of the, the group at the moment. A mile ahead of the group, yeah. But they've a massive, like, they've an unbelievable crop of players at the moment. So they're Ballyhale, right? 2007 we played them in the county final they have a completely different team bar Colin Finlay and TJ Reid right they were gone I'd say about 2016 about to be gone Aidan Cummins was given up Henry was given up and then they came with a new under 21 team that they got nine players off you know like they bet the village without the Mullinses in an under 21 final no other club would do it. They're just a freak in nature. If Kilkenny didn't have the Ballyhill as the weekend, we'd have been bet by 10 points. Ballyhill are just like, I don't know. They're, what they, I don't know how to do it. They're just, I don't know, is their coaching better or what to do, but they are just no, a they're, freak. They're, they're a club, like Schlockneil and Derry are a club of similar stature. Unbelievable. What they do, Portumna did it for years in Galway. It does happen. St. Ryan is at Burr. Portumna had a crop of players. Ballyhale are doing it since 1975. Oh no, there's a mass, there's a production line in Ballyhale. There's no there's no other sport. There's nothing competing with it. Every young lad in Ballyhale wants to play for Ballyhale Shamrocks. If Kenny didn't have Ballyhale, we'd be in big bother. That's what I'm saying. But, but what were we saying? <laughs> no, but we do we do have Ballyhale. But what take them out? The the senior hurling championships. You know, is a highly, highly competitive. Ballyhale gets some tough games in the Kilkenny Championship too. Oh yeah. In the intermediate championship, it's it, you couldn't you couldn't pick a team to win it. You know, every year you think maybe Thomastown's year is coming or whatever, but there's always, you know, a brilliant championship to be played out. And in the junior level, I mean, St Patrick's Ballyragget went up to senior a couple of years ago. And they're gone senior intermediate. And they're now playing in the junior championship this year. Will they win the Kilkenny Junior Championship? They'll go in as favourites. Till her Ross Burkham went in as favourites last year. Didn't win the championship. I mean, it's it's so competitive. But what happens is. All of these clubs are all playing massive competitive hurling all for a hurling championship. And Brian Cody and his panel then have all of these hurlers to select from. When you take your leashes and your Kildares, Carlo, five senior hurling teams in Carlo, five senior hurling teams. We have more players in a junior championship in Kilkenny than Carlo having their whole senior championship. Would the GEA not be far better off to look at amalgamating some of these counties like Kildare, and Leash. Like Kildare are playing underage in Kilkenny at the moment. I'd say Kildare, one club in Kildare, Nace, 
Kildare are coming power, but Nice have more hurlers than all of Carlo combined. I'd say. I'd say now another five years they'll become as good as Leash Carlo to be gone ahead and they'll be closing the gap because so many families moved into Kildare from Kilkenny, Galway, population centres near to Nice, and they're like, I want my son to play hurling. They're going to be huge. They have the population. If you go through all the the smaller counties, like they all have some something that's not wrong with them, but like Carlow, five counties, Kerry, a hurling little stronghold with football, Antrim, f- football and hurling, but a million miles away from everywhere else, and kind of championships hard to get them all to come together. Leash, half and half, football and hurling, uh, crazy championships as well, where they find it all to come together. Westmead, are, I think, are doing unbelievably well. They've developed so much over the last... Tw- like, you never talked... I Westmead never came into a hurling conversation till the last 10 years, and now they're there. They're after doing great work, where whatever is after happening. And they're there. doing it with half a county. Like, I'm yeah. from Athlone Say, myself, and Athlone is getting football. Same thing. Like. Westmead are the story of development of the last 20 years, how they're up where they are, going to be the in the top 12 of hurling in the county our country um, so there's that's all you have like who, <laughs> who but see, but see, look, the point that I've been making to you John is if you take just just take Carlo with the whole improvement in Carlo hurling in, in say 15 years ago to 10 years ago yeah. the all county leagues were introduced where the Carlo teams were playing in Kilkenny the underage structures they're all playing in Kilkenny they're playing I see Cup. now there's a burn Rangers yeah. are in under 15 and 17 Kilkenny and they're coming up from Ballon yeah so they're Hurling and Carlo is, is is are they fighting cocks and that's just far, just the far side of it Ballon and yeah, a couple yeah. more so like obviously they're after development from sixes up to their 15s now but so they're going to be another team in Carlo pulling into Hurling and making a strong yeah, but it's club. obviously going to be taken away from the football but see <laughs> that's that. but if you take that aside and you look at, say, Kildare, which now at underage, Kildare teams are playing in the Kilkenny leagues as well, mm. in, as part of that all-counties. But with the GEA, like, are we that short-sighted that the GEA couldn't consider and say, right, in Kildare, do your own little Kildare championship and and, 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 and that's this thing. But we're going to do an all-counties championship as well where we're, put, we're putting the five senior hurling teams in Carlow who are, you know, mm. Mount Leinster Rangers are as good, as strong a team as anyone in, in Kilkenny. Mount Leinster Rangers to put up the, the best of us. That's, um, that's like saying now... Celtic and Rangers in the Premiership. No, like they're not. They're going to be ten and eleven. They're not going to be. No, no. I, I don't mean under day. Like Mount Leinster Rangers won a Leinster Championship a couple of years ago. Like the under yeah, day, no, they're yeah. a strong club. But if you were to get Mount Leinster Rangers, Ballinkillen, um, you know, uh, uh, Michael, but just off the top of my head, there, the, the, the Bagnus and the five of the, the county teams in Carlow, the five top teams in Leash, and the five top teams in Kildare, and let them play two group systems so it's six in each group or whatever you make it out that way and have the actual all counties championship for that region and even maybe throw in a couple of the Westmead teams that it's an actual proper competition that there's a bit of you know a bit of passion met about it but what had happened then is all these lads will be getting far more games like this year in the Carlo Senior Hurling Championship you win a Carlo Championship playing three matches yeah like you know I know they try and do a round robin but how like what can they do like there's five teams like surely it's about progressing the game and progressing the players like you only improve no, that by is, playing that is games. a good idea but but they ha- no they have <laughs> they have they, they have this Leinster League thingy where all the counties put you can go into it and it's played in January and February and March like yeah, we yeah, won it a couple of years ago but like when are you suggesting is this instead of the Carlow Championships or I'm saying you play the Carlow Championships in, 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 in early in the year and this becomes the main championship for them three counties that oh yeah I well, know four, it's count, yeah. four counties, but they'll look at it like like I wondered, you know, like I think that I think it won't go down very well anywhere in those places, but it could work like that. It would mean they'd have better games, and you could run it off if you put Leash and Westmead together and Carlow and Kildare. Kildare. Um, but see, it's 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 so important that we don't just yeah, because there's only five in Carlow and maybe probably seven in. 
in the year. So that's 12 teams 12 that now team, you've yeah. seen your Championship. And played kind of like the Kilkenny Championship. But this comes back down to county boards. And because I have another question I want to ask you. You know the reason that this will never happen is because the county boards in them counties would never agree to that. The clubs had voted down. Like they'd say it'll cheapen well, our championships. You could, you could bring it in on a a five year um, say Carlo and Kildare you have your own championships and then you're into your the big one the big one yeah Carlo Kildare Hurland Championship which I think like if you said this is a five year development thing where all these clubs develop and you have your senior intermediate and junior in Carlo and Kildare are all played off the championships and you win the Carlo Kildare Merge Championship like for five years and if you looked at it at the end of five years and said oh Ballon there developed and won the Intermediate Championship and had great matches and came up senior and got to a semi-final of the senior in five years that, wouldn't that be an unbelievable but see it is and see we're, we're on the same page on it John like if you think about your time with, with St Martin's Muckley out there right you take your time playing there imagine if your whole season was four games no, I'm on about league matches and like even the Kilkenny leagues and the all county leagues. Like we all treat them as friendlies. You played Thomastown last night. Um, I don't see it being stretched in here to have a chat with me. If you played them in championship yesterday, you know it, it, it's a different game. I know we're all giving it our all, yeah, but it's this is the mental thing about club. Everyone is geared towards championship. Like, yes, every like your body after a, a Burren Cup match and a championship match, even though you might do. <laughs> the very same things you're just mentally the mental weight of a kind of a parish thing behind you is kind of so intrinsic between about the GA like the championship and you're doing it for your family and yourself and <laughs> you're doing it for like that's that's what makes it so great and so amazing and it's the same in Westmead as it is in you know Carlo Offaly Kilkenny everywhere and that's why we play like it's for to get back the same man's like oh let's get back senior this year it's the same every year and you eventually it could be 20 could be 10 years or 20 years but you'll keep fighting for it you know yeah you can, and you will get back eventually like like and I'm see I'm not taking away from them I, I I love I think players that improve for it last night my club blacks and whites we played Greg Namana um the rivalry between blacks and whites and Greg Namana I'm not from that area so I'd not it, it doesn't you can't not get immersed in it when you're involved with Blacks and Whites or Greg I'm sure but like last night it was the biggest crowd I've seen at a at a club hurling match sure. in a long long don't time don't tell Tony Hoolan there's thousands of these <laughs> matches <laughs> like it's well, last night in fairness to the lads at the club they've done a great job marshalling and all that but like I mean it was it was standing room only at a club game what was great for us and for Greg was that match had a cut to it it had a kind of a championship feel to it because of that local rivalry hmm. but if I played last night if we played Galmoy Wine Gap Munkine, it wouldn't there wouldn't have been that crowd there number one mm. number two was the lads themselves would be thinking if you beat me to the ball ah, sure I, you know I've sure, that's, that's, what her, that's the rivalries that's what it's all about like that's that's where the Kilkenny have their little bit they don't play the football obviously is the main advantage but like but those blacks and white lads and grey lads will play that match right they probably all drink together and everything anyway but like when they get Brian to a Kilkenny minor panel or a Kilkenny junior panel or whatever, if Brian Cody, Brian, a grey lad and a sleeve or an a black and white lad, they're not going to walk past each other and the <laughs> nah, they're probably going to give each other a lift. Yeah, training, yeah, you know what I mean. That's that's why I'm saying like a couple of counties they do, wouldn't have that. Whereas in Kilkenny, the camaraderie in county teams is unbelievable because the county's so small and they're able to park that level of. I could go. In a corner match, and say, "Jeez, American, whatever, then you know I'm gonna, you know, bait him or whatever, and then meet him in the cave two hours later and have a pint. You know, that's that's the way it should be. Yeah. And in some counties, it gets a bit too bitter or whatever. But in Kilkenny, if I like, if you have like Burren Village, there's the rivalry like in O'Loughlin's, they all hate each other, but they don't really like. They all they hate each other on the pitch and in the sand yeah. but once they get to the pub then they're all yeah. or if they're in the Kikini, sisters and if they're in the Kikini set up they'll all be best buds but then championship oh we have them in a county semi-final they're going to not kill each other but 
you know, do their best to be. Well, we did have it a few years ago with the two brothers marking each other in a in a in a county final hoagie. They're playing centre. Brian and Keith, yeah. yeah, and like you know, which I think the both were captain of the teams as well. Like which was yeah, sure that's, that's some buzz, but I guarantee you, for for sixty five minutes they killed each other, and then the minute the full time whistle went, one lad consoled the other, and 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 you move on. Like yeah. it's the the only the other one I want to push to you before I let you finish up because I'm crucifying you for time again, but. I seen it, seen one this week, and I'm not going hard on county boards. I actually think, I think the Kilkenny County Board is quite good. I think the Wexford County Board is quite good. Um, the ones that I've been involved in, I, I, I genuinely and I believe every county board tries their best. I, I I came across one earlier in the week, and it was that the county board in Longford had made a decision that inter-county players were not to be made available for the clubs until after, say, five rounds of league championship. All right, so that in itself. That's fair enough and I can completely understand it. But then when I looked at the timings of the first five rounds of the League Championship or the first four rounds of the League Championship, that would suggest that Longford, in a knockout football championship, we're going to have to win Leinster. The timeline. So, basically, as expected, Longford got knocked out of the championship. Um, they were, like, I mean, you're up against, you know, superpowers of football at the moment. Dublin are, are, you know, are going to win Leinster. But then you've got Kildare, Westmead and Mead who would be a mile ahead of the rest of them. But the Longford County Board brought in this rule, four rounds of the league championships are going to be played and you can't have your county players. One round has been played, Longford have been knocked out of the championship. Okay, they're gone. Mm. Logic, tell me what happens now. I'm sure the boys will go back playing with the clubs. No, the county board have decided that the rule is there and they're not allowed back. Sure, that's, that's why Longford are where they are. Like that's, You know what I mean? Like, the, there's no element of just using your head like the, how does a game develop like sure that's just crazy stuff like you obviously go alright you go back playing now and that's it but it's yeah. like like who is making that that's just some couple of owl lads and but this is the thing and and, and, and and like the point that you've and I knew you'd say it is this is just a couple of owl lads making these decisions but where do we get the balance right with county boards like if you look at every county board in Ireland from the top down the youngest guy on a county board is probably going to be and I'm not cutting on any county boards here but he's probably going to be 50 like I'm not I'm not a very ageist person no but what I'm saying <laughs> is if you take if you take um, who was the last Kenny Hurley say Paul Murphy super fella great time he, he's a super guy and he's very committed and whatnot, right but but somebody like Paul Murphy being brought in to a county board structure after he retires to, to, to you know we want lads to go refereeing and we want lads to go coaching teams and the whole lot but we also need lads to get involved like all them county boards are made up of, of really strong ex-players and whatnot. but the game evolves and it changes but surely is it now time that we start looking at county boards that we bring in some young ex-players from counties to give it back to the county get in there and in the decision making well, side sure. I don't, you have to get involved with your club first but you don't either. You could go straight to the county, but you have to get voted in. Like that's yeah, that's the way things work. But then in some counties, they have like this. If the secretary can be a paid position that can last for a lifetime, you know, and then they can't be fired, like Frank Murphy job, you know. Different county boards develop in their own way. Like in Kilkenny, you have a five-year term, and that's your thing. So like, obviously, when it this these guys five-year term is up. You can go against them, but I oh I think you can only do one term, is it now in Kilkenny? I'm not sure, but basically, yeah, it's up. To, like Paul Murphy can run if he wants to run, or anyone can run. I'm not suggesting we mm. make him chairman of the county board. No, I'm I know, but yeah, but it's it's the democratic people don't want to get like you think about the element of workload in those positions. Jimmy Welch and Conor Deneen, they probably put hundreds they're going to meetings about meetings you oh, know yeah, no no th- th- there's there's no question in the work that the lads are doing and, and the great job in general that's done hmm. but what I'm sa- saying is if you take say Jimmy even Ned Ned before him Ned, Ned Quinn like you know it'll go down in folklore what he's done for Kilkenny Hurling it probably won't be appreciated um, until until he's long finished but Ned Quinn Nolan Park is a testament to the work that that county board did 
in his yeah. time. Best one of the best pitches in the country, playing surfaces to stand. Everything they've done because there's no wonder. matches on it. But yeah, but they've also got MW Higher Park for the county team and stuff. But they've they've a good, very good grounds team as well in there. To be fair, the lads in there on the grounds are absolutely top class. Yeah, um, we're giving them, we're giving we can give all the praise. Still not enough matches, but like county board got murdered now with matches. In fairness, and they held up well, didn't they? It did, but like county boards are great, but like. You just there has to be that element of like that. I don't know that Longford thing is just crazy. Like. It is. It's it's completely nuts. Two questions before I let you go, and and these are important questions to me and everyone that listens to this podcast. So you have to be straight shooting on these ones. The first one is the Wexford Kilkenny game. It's etched out as a classic game, a brilliant match. Was it two average teams banging off each other, and it turned into a classic because they're two average teams, or, or is there really all Ireland contenders playing that match? It it was a classic because the refereeing was the way it should be. And let the game flow, and Kilkenny and Wexford. Wexford will give a depending on their draws. Obviously, I don't see them not coming back through the round robin. And Kilkenny are in a nice place now to potentially get to another All Ireland. So you you fancy obviously you fancy Kilkenny unless yeah I don't th- I don't think they're two average teams at all because if you look at Cork, Tip, I wouldn't. Look at that match the weekend and say that they're unbelievable. You them. No, and Waterford came back with injuries, obviously, and sure, Limerick. Lim, we caught Limerick two years ago. You have to remember in a other or three years ago in All Ireland semi final. So, I I I think Kilkenny's young lads are flying it. Yeah, Adrian Mullins is a big addition back. We didn't have him last year. On Cody's unbelievable. Um. Then TJ's obviously flying anyway, TJ's flying then you have all say you have lads coming in the backs I know like we haven't gone anywhere I don't think yeah and I think in fairness John Donnelly coming off the bench the other day he's been immense for Kilkenny for the last couple of years obviously, I don't know why he didn't start my opinion is he should be starting but like was he keep, carrying a knock maybe or something I don't know but like if you have <laughs> it's kind of like Walter coming in if you have lads to come in it's as good like the worst thing they could do now is start Walter the next day like they start Richie Hogan it's great to have him to come in with 20 minutes to go 10 minutes to go just because he got a goal and a couple of points doesn't mean you have to start but John Donnelly would be a different argument I think John Donnelly would be a different argument I think, I think he was carrying a knock I'm convinced he was because he started every game for the last number of years it's like and he's been our best player bar TJ it's just it's uh, the manager's going on for the last 120 years like do you start a lad and have him to come in or come off and bring in a, a lad that will make an impact or you know that's just the way it is Like it's a great headache to have though because in fairness the lads did come on and they did turn the game I think John Donnelly is possibly in the top 10 best hurlers in Ireland skill wise touch wise catch wise obviously physically he wouldn't be a speed merchant or anything but like he's Ah, he's, a, he's a wonderful player. He's a wizard, yeah. The the other question I want to ask you is Galway's. It's been I've seen it suggested it was arrogance. I watched that game. Now I'll be honest. I I was heavily invested in that match. Also, um, I I kind of wheeled for the first goal, which was an important one, and then the second thing was I did think Galway had covered the handicap quite easily, but I was absolutely stunned in the first ten minutes when Galway had five six chances that you'd say are 70 30 goal chances and it just went for goal went for goal went for goal if Galway had took their points early in that game they'd have been seven or eight points up after 10 minutes did you one did you see the game and number two is what would you make of the the attitude of the Galway players in, in that I saw the game I'd say it's just a case of that that league again just throwing people off like Galway obviously went through that league handy enough and probably were overconfident Dublin had a terrible league the only team to bet was Antrim I think and like Matty Kenny had this game in the long he was waiting for this match he wasn't and like Galway obviously underestimated Dublin but like you have those days if they had to take six points and were well Dublin went 5-1 up yeah it could have been like 6-5 and Galway could have pushed on then Joe Canning missed a few chances <laughs> like Galway will come back through like that back door is crazy now like you've Galway Wexford Cork it's going to be serious Waterford Clare Clare yeah like who you're not going to come through it and win in All-Ireland but one of those teams is going to come through and make a good run and 
So you're saying Galway here right now will not win the All Ireland? No, or any of those teams. None of them. So that leaves you putting the teams to win the All Ireland are going to be either Kilkenny, Limerick, or Tip. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying Kilkenny, Limerick, or Tip? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you've Tip and Limerick in a Munster final, and Kilkenny and Dublin in a so one. I Limerick and Kilkenny are going to be straight into semi-finals semi-finals and then you're going to have all those teams going through so you could end up with say Tip against Kilkenny in an All-Ireland semi-final and Galway against Limerick in an All-Ireland semi-final yeah would that be the four pairings you'd imagine it'll end up being well it could be yeah but that's more than likely yeah and then the final uh, you're fancying Limerick anyway to, to, to Limerick and Kilkenny and then All-Ireland champions this year uh, I I could ah uh, Limerick it's a okay John on that note we, we <laughs> leave it for today's chat you've been absolutely brilliant um, I look forward to the headline where it says Mulhall tips Limerick to win All-Ireland this year over Kilkenny um, I think I think you're probably on the ball with that as well John uh, I'd say Limerick are the team to beat hopefully Kilkenny will keep improving and, and maybe put it up to them but again thanks a million for having the chat with me this evening and I wish you all the best for the next couple of months I hope you enjoy your summer break sound it thanks a million John that was of course John Mulhall joining me tonight on the Clash Act podcast where we talk all things GEA I look forward to chatting to you all next week where we'll be bringing in another GEA star hello Martin here from Morrissey Motors Peugeot Kilkenny we have the full range of environmentally friendly award winning vehicles in petrol diesel hybrid and electric our 208, 3008 and 508 have all won Car of the Year. Our 5008 seven-seater has won SUV of the Year. And not forgetting Ireland's best-selling commercial, the award-winning Partner Van. That's five in a row, Martin. It is, Brian. That's impressive. Contact the lads in Morrissey Motors, Waterford Road, Kilkenny, today.